In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Hi, y'all, and welcome to Money, Please. I'm Berna Anat, also known as At Hey Berna, your personal financial hype woman, bringing you the financial real talk for the real world. You can't see my quotation marks, but I hope you can feel them. Nothing is real. Today, we are discussing a topic that kind of makes everyone's butt cheeks clench a little bit. It is not getting a pap smear. It is saving money. Dun, dun, dun. See, I tried to like pick it up a little bit at the end. You like that? We're going to go over what it takes to go from having a dusty, crusty, musty, neglected savings account to a healthy, thriving, glowing, high-yield savings garden. Now, here's my thing, my two cents, if you will, and you'll have to because it's my podcast. Here are my rules before you enter the savings pool, okay? Imagine me, hot financial lifeguard. Rule number one, you can't save money that you don't have, all right? Read it again. You can't save money that you don't have. If you don't earn enough to cover your basic living expenses, then you just can't save money. The math has to math. And the savings tips and tactics we go over in this episode won't really apply to you because your focus might be that you need to earn more. Now, I'm not talking to people who definitely earn enough to live and you just don't have a saving system. We can deal with that. But considering the fact that, according to CBS News, nearly 44% of Americans work low-wage jobs, aka a median annual wage of $18,000, Maybe you can't afford your life, and that's why you can't save money. Okay, let me get real with you. You know what got me to pay off my $50,000 in student loans and credit card debt, and then, with my former boo, save $35,000 to quit life and spend a year traveling? It was not necessarily the tips and tricks. It was a fatter paycheck. Tips and tricks helped. I say all this so that you don't beat yourself up for randomly being quote-unquote bad at money when the math doesn't math for you, okay? And I don't want you to let any financial experts or educators make you feel bad about saving money being a mental game if the math does not math. So what you might need to do is first listen to our budgeting episode and find out, am I a person who's just putting money into places that uh, you know it doesn't belong and it can be helped by savings tips and tricks? Or am I a person that simply does not earn enough to save money and I should focus on that fatter paycheck, okay? Importante distinction. Rule number two, I don't want to hear I'm bad at saving money, okay? It is never that simple. That's a part of like almost everybody's financial garbage talk to themselves, and we got to break it down. When I hear I'm bad at saving money, what I'm really hearing is I don't earn enough to afford my life, or our wages haven't kept up with cost of living, a fact. I hear I'm a little disorganized in the way that I manage my money, which is different from being bad at saving money. I hear, I've got financial traumas that make me feel things about saving money. Or I hear, I'm living through year two of a fucking global pandemic and saving money is kind of the last thing on my mind behind like survival. Yeah, it's never as simple as being quote unquote bad at saving money. So stop putting that all on yourself. There's always so much more to unpack. And frankly, I need a little bit of help unpacking that kind of thing. 
oh my gosh, to help us do this. We are joined today. We are blessed. We are knighted by Analyst by Day, podcast and creator of Popcorn Finance by Night, incredible friend and human with a silky smooth radio voice 24-7. Y'all, welcome Chris Browning. Chris, welcome. Just, hey, how are you? Who are you? What do you do? What do the people need to know? Oh, Berna, you know, I don't think I've ever appreciated the intro as much as that right there. Thank you. That, you, really, you, you said that I lifted your spirits when we were talking. You lift my spirits with that introduction. Thank you so much. Uh, of course. Of course. Tell us about you. How are, how are you today? Tell the people a little bit about what you do. Yeah, you know, I'm doing well. As well as you can in 2021. I'm doing well. Uh, Correct. I'm the host of a podcast called Popcorn Finance. That's how I know you, Berna, because we've had the chance to speak several times. And it's just a short form show where we discuss finance and about the time it takes to make a bag of popcorn. Just nice, quick, simple, easy to understand money conversations uh, that I Mm. think we all need to hear. I love I just heard a thousand new tabs open being like, (laughs) how the hell? Where the hell? Need more of this in my life To, to kick us off. Can you tell us a little bit about what your personal money saving journey has been like? When I say saving money, is there any kind of uh, specific narrative or journey that happens that has happened to you or comes up for you? Yeah, you know, my experiences with saving it's it's one of those things where I feel like I'm just now really getting to experience and enjoy what saving money feels like. Because mm-hmm. for most of my adult life, I was either extremely broke or had a bunch of debt that was just sucking all the money out of my bank account. Mm. And I didn't really know what it meant to have like financial security. Like I have a safety net under you uh, yeah. because it's not something that I really talked about with family. I know my parents, they argued about money. I didn't really have a real understanding of what that meant. I just heard story. I heard other people, you know, I see, Oh, this person saved a million dollars. This person saved oh $50,000 in two weeks. You know, it's like, yes. but I never really had that experience. And so it's been an interesting transition going from this feeling of, insecurity of kind of doubt of what it looks like to have an emergency fund to have this 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 money sitting in an account that I've never had before uh, to really to really treat life differently because I think one of the biggest things I've kind of learned in my experience from always just really trying to keep things going and make sure I make payments on time and make sure I could you know just get by day to day it's now having an understanding of oh you can have options with money like having money in the bank gives mm. you opportunity to try new things that you would have never tried. I never would have tried when I was in debt and had $0 saved. Yes. Beautiful. I love that you hit on that point of like saving money. A lot of the times can feel so heavy. This thing that we feel guilty for not doing, or even when we are doing it, we feel like, oh, I'm like, I'm like splitting my money. I'm, I'm pouring myself in. Mm. But also the opposite side of that is this, the freedom that it gives you, the options that it gives you. Because that's sort of, I think that's sort of what you and I both work towards is like financial freedom so that you have the options to live how you want and eat all the popcorn you want. <laughs> I want to sort of double down on that feeling that you pinpointed of before your money saving journey, the insecurity, the unsureness. The one thing that I hear a lot, and I'm, as for you, I'm sure this is true as well as a financial creator, we hear so much, I am bad at saving money. Mm. I don't save money because I'm bad at it. I've always been bad at saving money. Why do you think it is so difficult for some folks to either save money or get into the mindset of saving money? Like, let, Let's unpack mm. that statement. What does that statement mean to you? Yeah. You know, when you were saying that, what I thought of is um, when people say that they're not like artistic, like 
Oh, I can never draw. I can never paint. I can never do these things. And I think that really is a similar feeling when people say, I can't save money. I could never invest. I can't do these things. It's just because you don't have practice at it and you have not maybe had an example of what it looks like for someone who's good at doing those things. Mm. I had a weird upbringing where I kind of floated between both like the artistic like areas of my life and then like the very like analytical side uh, Mm. to where I went to college as an art major and then switched and became a finance major. Oh, a Renaissance man. Oh, okay. It was just very strange. Most people don't, don't do both of those things. They're like, I do one or the other. And I've heard so many people say, I can't, I can't draw. And I was like, well, I couldn't either, but I just kind of tried and I got better Mm -hmm. at it. And Mm -hmm. I think the same thing comes with saving. It just seems like if you've never, if you've had grown up your life, you've never had any money in a bank account. You've never had a savings account. You're constantly just broke and just hoping to pay your bills each and every month. You don't, you haven't built up that muscle. And I think it's one of those things where you have to get in. You have to do hands on, open a savings account, start putting a few dollars aside, even if it's like a little bit. Mm-hmm. Once you can have that tangible practice of doing these things, you feel more confident and you can start to see yourself as a saver because a saver isn't a saver is not really a person. It's not like, you know, that's not your attribute. Like I wouldn't put that on my bio. Oh, I'm a saver. I, <laughs> it's just something you do. But it yeah. becomes second nature once you have the opportunity to experience that and make that a part of your life. Oh, I love that. Like the idea of being like a person who saves money is sort of up on a pedestal for a lot of us Mm. because maybe growing up, like you just said, we did not see people saving money in our families, in our lives. I mean, these days you look at social media, it doesn't look like anybody's saving any GD money. (laughs) Tell me about it. Like where are people getting this money from? They must not be saving it. If you don't see the example of saving money, you think that a person who saves money is this like perfect finance major who's up on a pedestal and they are a capital S saver. But really, like you said, it just takes you starting to try, get in it, open an account, put a little bit in there. And then, of course, folks kind of – we have these like mindsets that we try to break through. And one thing that I talk a lot about too is, of course, mindset is part of it and trying to sort of be that saver model for yourself is part of it. And then there's also like, it's difficult to save money because maybe you just don't have enough. Yeah. Maybe the math just does not math for you. Do you have any thoughts or feelings towards that of just, because I feel like a lot of the time in the finance world, we beat people up with a like, you're bad at saving money. You just <laughs> need to listen to my podcast 17 times a day. Speak a little bit about uh, what people need to know about their actual finances and the way their money moves in order to save money. Because I mean, maybe people just can't save money. We don't know. I love that you said that because that's the truth. Like we all do not have the same standing in life. We are all not coming from the same point, the same position when it comes to how we handle our money. And sometimes there are people, they are just their Their win is getting food on the table, having a place to live. You know, they would love to save at some point. But right now, that's the that's great what they're able to do right now. And you have to be even it's hard to be OK with that being a win when you see all these other people around you who you think are winning because they can do all these things that you can't financially. So I, I always try to be mindful of that because we don't know where people are coming from. You can't put the same pressure on everyone. Uh, exactly. I don't. Have you ever seen the show called The Prophet? It's on no. CNBC. This guy, his name is Marcus. He goes out and he helps these businesses who are struggling. Like they've like, you know, they're doing a horrible job with running their business. And he comes in, puts in money and kind of teaches them how to build a a business correctly. And almost every episode, the situation these business owners get themselves in is they borrowed a bunch of money from other people. And so I'm watching this 
And he was like, yeah, I borrowed $100,000 from my dad. I borrowed $50,000 from my sister. And I was like, hold up. Who are these people? Like, who was giving you tens of thousands of dollars? Yeah, your sister got it like that. Your dad got it like that. And I I was talking with my wife and I was like, maybe it's because we grew up in families where people didn't have $10,000 to give you. What? Like, just because you had a great idea. Like, we, I don't have that point of reference. I would, ne- I would never just go out and be like, could you give me some money because I have this great idea? Because I know it's not going to happen. And <laughs> Same. I, I think that kind of shows the perspective and the how the experiences shape how we relate with money. Whereas my experience is people around me don't have money like that. That would never be an option. Where other people they grew up with, hey, my brother, when he graduated, his dad gave him a hundred thousand dollars in a Beamer and he started his first business. We have to be aware of where people are coming from and that we all have different experiences. And so when it comes to someone and we're looking at people as are oh, they a saver, they're not a saver, how they've reacted to all these things that have happened in their lives. I think it's important to know that, look, your journey is more than likely much different than the person next to you. Uh, you can walk mm-hmm. out the door and see your neighbor and have no idea what, what they have going on. And it may look like they're doing great, but maybe they had a head start. Maybe they're in a bunch of debt. You don't know. And I think yes. it's important to look at yourself kind of in a bubble and just say, mm. look at where I'm at. How much money am I bringing in? Do I realistically have room if I were to be a little more conscious with how I'm spending to make that gap? And if the answer is no, that's when you're in a position where maybe you need to start looking at things in a different way. Maybe it's a change in career. Maybe it's a, a change in the way you uh, approach maybe what you're studying in school like you have to be willing to be flexible and, and work with what you have to make those changes versus forcing the outside opinion on how you should be handling money and where you should be at in life because you know it just doesn't make sense sometimes absolutely exactly that's what i'm thinking as well of just like i don't want folks listening to think like oh saving money is the top of the mountain i should absolutely be saving money no matter what and if i can't then I'm the piece of shit. That is not necessarily true, right? We are underpaid. Wages aren't keeping up. There's all kinds of things. And it's exactly like you said. I love the concept of like looking at yourself in a bubble and getting real with yourself. Do you have the funds to be saving money? And if not, then there are other moves that need to be made. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, let's pretend that this is a person, we're talking to a person who does have money left at the end of their paycheck or at the end, at the end of the month. Where do they start to figure out how do they can put money in their savings account on a regular basis? To you, are there any hard and fast sort of like top line rules when you are starting to save money? Hmm. You know, I would say, think of saving money kind of like, it's like a value choice. You're deciding what is important to you. And maybe right now, Going out to eat is really important. Like that's how you spend time with your partner or with your friends. Like you have a that has a high level of value in your life. So mm-hmm. hey, that's where my, where my money is going right now. But if you have these other goals, like hey, I, I, this one day I just want to stop working, or hey, I just want to be financially stable and not have to worry about an emergency, you may have to move that up on your priority list and say, hey, look, if this is what's important to me. I'm going to have to shift some things around because we don't have unlimited resources. Most of us don't just have a pool of money that we can just pull from any time we want to do whatever we would like. 
yet. Yet, yet. Mm-hmm. The hope is you would he would wouldn't feel those pressures of I have to make all these trade offs every single time. But the real the, the realistic thing is, yeah, sometimes we have to decide. So thinking of what is important to you, and for some of us, it takes a while to get to that point because thinking of saving, especially if we're talking about like for retirement, is so far out in the future. It almost feels like unimaginable. Like that's just so distant. Being sixty years old. It just seems mm. like, what? what is that? I'll worry about that when I get closer to it. What is that? It's a different person, literally, with a different name. I, I yeah. literally name my retired self a different person, but we'll, we'll talk about them more in the retirement episode. Yeah, because yeah, I need to know the name of this this, this retired okay. burner. That'll be bonus. That'll be bonus. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, you, you have to start to put it in perspective and say, look, if this is a real goal for myself, how can I shift things around? And that's when you make those judgment calls, because there are some things that are like, they, they're going to have to happen. If you have if you have a car and you make a payments on it, unless you want them to take that car or you plan on selling it, you that has to stick in your budget. You have to have a place mm-hmm. to live. You, these certain things you have health care costs. Those are your baseline. And then it's starting to make those value decisions like, OK, after I have my basic needs taken care of, even like just basic groceries, just going to get regular food, not fancy food, just regular food. Build mm-hmm. that in and see where you stand. And then now, you know, OK, what room is left? What, what wiggle room do I have left? And then this is where you can start to decide. All right. I know I want to save. I want to have something to make me feel secure. How much of that can I start to peel away? And it's okay to build it up slowly. Like if you like, okay, I got $400 left at the end of the month. You can say, okay, I don't, I don't know if I want to put all $400 in savings. Let's start mm-hmm. with the hundred mm-hmm. and just see how that feels. Cause you're going to, you're going to have to build yourself up to this. You can't just go from saving zero to saving every p- extra penny you have because it's just, it feels unnatural. So I would say just start slow, see what that feels like, see what it looks like for that money to go into the savings account and that number to get a little bit bigger and then yeah. kind of work your way up to building up uh, like a stronger savings practice. Yes. It's like, it's like just, just the toe, just yeah. dip, dip it in, <laughs> figure it out. I also think it's really important to highlight to think about your priorities first, which is something you said, like list out your priorities, because one thing, and we'll talk a little bit about this in our loose change episode, it's so easy to lose motivation for savings, it it feels like. And so with what you're saying, if you list out your priorities, you get to point out what exactly am I saving for? You know, there's like, there's the concept of saving money and something you should vaguely be good at and vaguely (laughs) not good at. But I think it's really important, like what you're saying to figure out from your priorities, what is it you're even saving for? What is it you're even saving for? And then from there, like you said, start to peel away the things that either aren't, don't rank as high as those priorities or, you know, when you have that vision in line, you're like, actually, this thing I pay for every month, I don't care about it as much. I could put it towards that priority. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Question for you. What would you say is a good ballpark percentage of your income that people should be mm. saving? I, don't, I know people <laughs> who aren't watching us on video can't see my manic quotation marks but i get that question a lot how much should i be saving from my income what do you think chris and that could be hard that's a it's because it varies on how much money you're making obviously the more you make the lower percentage you can save and be in a stronger position than someone who's a low income earner uh Mm -hmm. i think for the longest people would say 10 percent. put away 10 percent, which is a nice easy round number to work with but realistically 10 percent probably is not going to quite get you to where you need to be at Mm-hmm. especially if you, depending on where your goals are at. So, so I would say, I would just say, let's just, let's just go with 15. I think 15 is a good starting point. That gets a, a, a good enough chunk of your income going into a savings account, 
building that up to where you'll see some progress. And but then also it gets you a little bit more comfortable with reducing your needs or I would say your wants that you're pulling out of your budget. It gets you used to working with less money because the sooner you get more, you get used to spending less money and having less money available to you, the easier it is to try to make those lifestyle changes because you want to treat what's going into the savings as this money doesn't exist. As far as I know, I never got paid this. It, it's, I don't know this. My check was really 15% less than it really was. It's going over mm-hmm. here. I even recommend putting it at a different bank account that you don't use with your regular banking. So you can't easily just slide that money over on the weekend when things get a little tight and just, you know, make it part of your lifestyle. And I think that's a good place to start. And you can make judgment calls on, is this too much? But more than likely, is this maybe a little bit too less? Could I I push myself a little bit more? And you can kind Mm. of ease your way into that. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's also such an important, like, math test to go, okay, here's my paycheck. What does 10% feel like? Yeah. (gasps) Does that give me palpitations? Or I'm like, oh, I'm actually, surprisingly, I could maybe <laughs> tick up to that 15%. And also what you said about like the sort of lifestyle adjustment, it makes such a big difference when, if for example, we talk about this a little later in the episode, if you can get your 10 to 15% auto deposited mm. into, just like what Chris said, a totally separate account, that's what I do because Temptation Monster <laughs> is knocking on my door every day. You get that, you get that automatically taken out. And then what's left, you adjust your life to that. So it feels like you're not even really, you're not losing money. No one's taking money away from you. You're adjusting if possible. Okay. So we've got our priorities. We have, we're shooting for the 10 to 15% of our paycheck. Let's hit on accounts really quick. What is, what do I do with, do I just, do I keep the savings account that I've had since I was 16 that my econ teacher made me open? <laughs> Are there any secret tips or tricks to finding the best savings account? Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, many of us probably have a savings account, like you said, that we just opened up because someone told us we should have. And then now it's just sitting there earning 0.01% interest, which is basically yeah. nothing. It's nothing. You just whisper the word interest in the account. <laughs> That's basically what happened. <laughs> interest. It, I had one of those accounts for the longest. And yeah. I had no concept of what earning real interest looked like because with that penny that would roll in every three months, it, I was like, who, who even cares? I didn't even notice that that showed up in my account. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's like a joke. I remember looking at it as a kid and being like, is, are, is adulthood just games? Like, what does this mean? <laughs> is what interest is just mean? a lie? Is it just a lie? A little bit. It kind of is. But yeah, tell us, tell us more. Well, more things that you learned after the, the, the sad high school uh, mandatory accounts. When I finally was like, okay, you know what? Let's let's look and see what other options are out there. Because uh, I actually worked at a bank, so I got to see firsthand the zero interest that it was being paid out to people. Uh, I found that online banks, so these are banks that primarily operate without a physical location. They may have a handful of locations, but they're mainly just a website that you go to. That's where you're going to see typically higher interest rates. And the reason why is that you know interest is one of the revenue sources for a bank. That's what they're getting money from. They're lending out your money and other people's money for cars and homes and then also to pay interest on these savings accounts. And so mm-hmm. they also have the physical overhead of having a building and having to have people in that building working. Mm-hmm. So these banks that decide, okay, you know what, we're going to really step away from that physical model because, you know, millennials aren't coming into the bank anyways. Let's just go ahead. Yeah, walking into a building? And talk talking to a Talking to a human? <laughs> pass. I don't think Hard so. Pass. So these online banks, you can just go and open an account and they will pay you a higher portion of their revenue in the form of interest. And so that's where you can start to see these these better rates. I mean, and there's I mean, there's so many banks out there uh, where there's like Ally. I think Goldman Sachs had a bank account. You can get one. I mean, think I mean, just if you just type in high yield savings account, 
and high yield is just another fancy word to say like your return or your interest that you're, you're getting back from putting your money in there. You get mm-hmm. so many great lists for different uh, bank accounts you can open up a savings account for. And that's where it's not going to be spectacular, especially not right now. You know, mm-hmm. it's September. Interest rates are like half a percent if you're if you're getting a good one. But that's half Woo-hoo! a percent is still better than one tenth, one one hundredth of, of a percent interest. So do yourself a favor and at least, you know, be able to see something flow into your savings account every month. Exactly. Savings interest is something that I didn't even understand when I was really young, because of course, what it's this random line item <laughs> of 0.1 cent that comes into your bank bank statement. If you ever look at it and you're like, what does that mean? Don't care. <laughs> but you bring up such an important point. There are ways you can just get more free money and interest if you choose and look out for a high yield savings account in an online only bank. Okay, there's so many more tips and tricks we can get into. And I really want to dig into like that motivation, temptation stuff that we've been talking about. But I'm going to have to let you go for now so folks can catch the rest of you on our Loose Change episode. So for now, Chris, now that everyone's in love with you and your financial education, can you please tell us where to find you and how to support you? Uh, Yeah, you can find Popcorn Finance, the podcast host, wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. Or if you want to just come by and say hi, I'm always over on Instagram. So just look for Popcorn Finance Podcast. You can find me there. Beautiful. Thank you so much for coming on, Chris. And hopefully we'll have you back very soon. Brenda, it's always an honor to talk with you. Okay, let's get to this week's Money on My Mind email of the week. Each and every week, I'm answering your questions about anything finance related. Send your emails to moneyplease@betches.com to get them answered on this year's podcast. Okay, let's get into it. Dear Berna, hello. Hi, that's me. After years of pretty much living paycheck to paycheck, I've recently been thinking more and more about the future and trying to prepare myself financially for whatever comes my way. So in my mind, the first step to take was to open a savings account and start saving a little bit of money here and there. Love that for you. I'm happy to say that it's been going okay so far. I've managed to save a bit of money and generally feel accomplished that I'm taking steps in the right direction. However, Since opening the account, I've been having a sort of guilty relationship with money and how I spend it. I feel the snaps. I feel the snaps in the audience already. And each time I decide to buy something, I have this struggle between wanting to save, but also not wanting to deprive myself of things I enjoy. I'm snapping. I'm clapping. I'm feeling. I'm shaking. Continuing. Okay. This experience has made me realize that some of my regular expenses are maybe not very responsible. Do you have any tips on how I can take the right steps towards more financial security without feeling guilty every time I spend money on something? Thanks for your help. Sincerely, Guilty Conscience Batch. Okay, listen, GCB. First, I am a hype woman, first and foremost, so I will always point out the bad B things that I'm afraid you missed because the bad B stuff, that's the fuel to our cars, okay? That's the, or that's the electric charge to my Chevy Spark, which is the car that I have. You need that motivation on the savings journey because it can take a lot out of you as you've already been able to feel. So let me just remind, you have stepped out of the paycheck to paycheck cycle. You stepped out of it. That's something that literally takes generations for many folks to accomplish. So hype yourself up. You put money in a savings account. You opened a savings account again. Hard for some people to hear, but it takes generations for a lot of folks to accomplish that. So that's huge. Hype yourself up. Put a deposit in your own hype jar. And 
you are tracking your emotional reaction to money, which is something a lot of people overlook. We are run by our emotions as human skin bags, and the way that we move our money is no exception. That there, just the the fact that you connect your emotions with the way that you move your money, that is going to be your like saving grace. Get it? Saving grace. I'm so sorry. Okay. A few things I want you to do. Okay. First thing is I want you to listen to our financial feels, financial trauma episode with Shani Tran. I want you to interrogate where those guilty feelings come from. Don't blame them. Don't kick them out. Just let them kick it with you. Give them some boba. Listen. But if they're telling you things like, you don't deserve nice things. Or you really, you have to work harder to deserve things like this, even though the money is right there. You don't deserve nice things. You don't, it, you shouldn't allow it for yourself. Why? Ask why. Where'd that come from? Is it true? Who told you that? Can we rewrite the script a little bit? Again, refer to our financial feels episode for sort of like safe interrogation of your financial trauma. And then I would suggest putting a little bit more structure and embracing that quote unquote, I don't know if you could feel my quote fingers, but they're out, guilty feeling. That guilt usually comes from feeling like I feel bad spending on this when I know I should be saving for this. So there's the two little like this and that. So as best as you can, organize your money rule so that you can do both. Have a specific checking account just for quote unquote guilt purchases. Call it call it your guilt account. Some people call it a bullshit fund. I call it my ratchetry fund. I put money in my ratchetry fund with every paycheck, just like my savings, just like I'm paying a bill. Okay. I take putting my ratchetry money away almost as seriously as I take putting my savings money away. When I want something quote unquote guilty or random, I know I have money for it. I literally have a container for it. I know how much I can spend. I know that I could spend it all knowing that my savings is intact because it's in a separate room. They literally, they go to different schools. They don't even talk. And I know that I will refill it with my next paycheck because again, I pay my ratchetry account like I'm paying a bill, just like I pay sort of like a quote unquote savings bill. And I know that a balanced financial mindset gives you space for these random ass purchases. Like personally, as a financial educator, I did not get into this game so that I could only spend money on like the tight butthole stuff, like rent and savings and utilities. If we don't give ourselves the financial structure and flexibility to have fun with our money by knowing exactly how much fun money we have, then I don't want it. So I hope that structure works for you. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. 
All right, folks, it is time for the Public Forum, brought to you by our friends at public.com. So the public.com community is hella diverse, right? Just like the world around us. 40% of their members are women, 45% are people of color, and 90% of their members, almost all of them, are first-time investors and long-term investors. I love this song. So every week, we're opening up the forum from our DMs to answer all of your questions and give you one tiny thing to do or to Google or to start you down your rabbit hole. That'll take less than five minutes because I know you're busy. And to help share your submissions, we have the producer, the lever puller, the hard drive wrestler behind Money Please, Jorge. Jorge, how are you? How does saving money make you feel? Hi, Berna. Well, saving, I've recently started saving a little bit more uh, now mm. that I have more of a steady job, which has been super nice. And uh, I'm actually getting married next year. So <gasps> that's been a very intimidating project to tackle from a budgeting and saving perspective. So I'm deep in the throes of planning a wedding. True that. And wedding's going to be expensive F. Is that is that one of your main savings goals right now? Yes, I would say the wedding definitely is my savings goal right now. Because as you said, weddings can get just so expensive so quickly. It, it, it It's kind of bizarre. Man, if there are any brands listening right now, Jorge may or may not be open to SponCon in his wedding. I'm like, let's try to let's try to cut that bill down for you. But <laughs> if not, then let's get into some of these DMs, these questions about savings, and hopefully we can we can help put some deposits into your your wedding fund. Let's get it. All right. So our first question from the listeners: Are there any red or green flags when it comes to opening a savings account? Yes, beautiful. When I read red or green flags, it obviously made me think of dating um, and red flags when we're looking at a boo. So we're going to do this like swipe left, swipe right style. Okay. Monthly maintenance fees, swipe left. No, gross. Hate it. Fee to open up more than one account, swipe left. Hate it. Do not let them charge you these dumbass fees. Usually a savings account comes with withdrawal limits, which means you can only withdraw from the savings account between four to six times per month. If they have no way to alert you about these withdrawal limits and they just sort of want you to like float into oblivion until you get hit by a fee, swipe left. Here's a big one. If the bank is not FDIC insured, swipe left. FDIC stands for Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. Basically, they are an agency, an independent agency of the U.S. government. And they just make sure that like if the bank explodes, you still get your money. And some of these new banks don't necessarily have that insurance, and that's a no-no, swipe left. One thing that is amazing that comes up with these sort of newer banks that you should swipe right on, savings incentives. You might get cash bonuses. You might get shopping bonuses. You might get some sort of cashback situation. Um, They might tweak your interest rate. Who knows? If they offer you some kind of awesome savings incentive, that, of course, you want to Read the the fine print. Make sure you don't get hit with any kind of fee. If you like the savings incentives, they got it for you. That's a swipe right. Amazing. All right. Next question. What should my monthly savings goal be as a beginner? The goal that you should have as a beginner saver is consistency. So the amount I want you to save every month is whatever amount you can do consistently. I don't give a singular Bitcoin shit about big deposits. I care about what is the deposit you can comfortably afford with every paycheck. Are you only comfortable saving $2 of every paycheck? 
Love it. Put those $2 away. $20 with every paycheck. Love it. Put those $20 away. My priority right now for you is to get comfortable with this being an instinct, a muscle. You flex every single paycheck, every single week. You can always turn up the volume later. What I want you to avoid is being like, I'm really excited about saving right now. I'm going to put away half my paycheck. And then two paychecks from now, you're like, oh my God, a bitch can't live like that. Crap, I'm bad at saving. Ah, And then spiral shame down. Mm -mm. Start small, be consistent. Also, get thee to a free savings calculator. Hit the Googles. I really like nerd wallets and the balances free savings calculator. What you do is you plug your numbers in to create your own savings goal. You plug in how much you can afford to save, what the interest rate is on your savings, how much you want to save, when you want to save, and then it gives you a actual deadline, like it gives you a finish line date, and it tells you what your monthly savings bill, quote unquote, should be. You need a final finish line and you need mini baby milestones. So get get that going. Get the, to the Googles. I need that right now. I'm going to go right after this to get to one of those uh, savings calculators. That sounds amazing. Yes. It's so fun to tinker with because then it goes from what I don't want people to think is like, I'm bad at saving money and I want to save money. To me, that's BS. I want you to tell me exactly what you want to save money for, when, how, why, and the savings calculators that are free just sort of help you put numbers around it. It's beautiful. It's soothing to me. Amazing. Okay. Last question. What are your tips for stopping yourself from dipping into slash spending your savings on things you don't really need? Yes. Beautiful. So this is actually very similar to the advice I would give to our money on my mind person, but I'm going to take it a step further. So one thing I want you to do, of course, is put your savings in a totally separate account from the rest of your money, not just separate savings account. If you really feel like the temptation is going to be high, then I want you to put the savings in a different bank. I keep my emergency savings in a totally different bank from the rest of my everyday money because I don't want to look at it. When I check how much is in my ratchetry account, how much is where I spend for rent or random stuff, I don't want to look at my emergency savings and be like, oh my God, that's a lot of money. I could really, because then the temptation like soundtrack starts to play. I've also heard of people giving their password to someone that they trust. So they don't, they can't even look at it, but you got to trust them, like trust, trust them. The other thing I want to tell you, motivate yourself even more the other way. So instead of focusing on how do I stop my temptations and crack the whip on myself, I want you to focus on how do I keep myself feeling hella hyped and motivated so that those temptations are kind of not shit, right? I want you to Google free savings tracking poster. You can make your own poster. You could make your own design. Basically, it taps into the, at least for me, kindergarten desire to always be coloring shit. You can make your own. You can make a vision board. You can track stuff and color it in every time you hit a deposit. Feels so good. You can plan a party for when you hit certain savings milestones. Basically, make savings fun and sexier to you than the temptations. And then bonus Take a second right now to list out what those temptations are going to be. No one knows better than you. Is it when somebody approaches you about outside lands happening in a month? Is it about when somebody approaches you about this or that? Like plan in advance what might happen to you along your savings journey and then write out what you'll do to either avoid that or refocus in that moment, whether that's stare at your savings poster again, watch videos of the thing that you're saving for. Plan, plan in advance. We love a good plan. 
I love that tip of keeping a, a separate bank altogether. Yes. <laughs> That's amazing. They just go to a different school. You don't even think about them entirely. Out of sight, out of mind. Out of mind. And then, of course, I'm not sure if we, uh, I don't think we've mentioned this yet in the episode, but if you set your shiz on auto deposit, if you auto deposit from your checking account, wherever you get your paycheck, to this separate savings account, or maybe you ask your employer to auto deposit a part of your paycheck into your separate savings account, not only does the savings stay separate from your everyday temptation brain, but when you go to look at it, when you feel like it, you're like, oh my God, who secretly put all the, it grew, who put all that money in there? You did, it was you, it was you being a secret auto deposit bad bitch. So get into that. Smart. Well, that's all the questions today. Thanks, Brenna. Beautiful. I will be interrogating you specifically on how this wedding savings fund is going. I'm going to get everybody just up up in this, and then all of us are going to ask for an invite. So, you know, widen that, widen that guest list. Please, God, no. No more <laughs> people. You out. My bad. We're not going to do that. Protect the savings. Protect Jorge. That's what we're doing. Okay, folks, that was the public forum brought to you by public.com. Remember, send in your questions to at when's happy hour on Instagram. And do not forget to check out public.com to get started on your investing journey. I'm coming too. okay, you can find me there at Hey Berna. I used to think investing was only for a specific kind of person with a specific kind of money. The great thing about public is it really enforces the fact that investing is for everyone. Super easy to use, a ton of educational tools. I feel very at home there, may I say. Plus, all new members get $10 worth of free stock when they sign up. Run, don't walk. Visit public.com slash Betches to sign up and get started today. All right, folks, that is it for this episode of Money, Please. Be sure to rate, review, follow the podcast on Apple and Spotify. Tell your friends about this. Tell your bank teller. Tell the person who hands you your Starbucks. Tell the hot guy with a dog that walks by you and you're like, I really want to say something to them. Just start yelling about Money, Please. They're going to love it. I know they are. And tell anybody who might need the financial help. You know who they are. It's everyone. Follow us and submit your questions to When's Happy Hour on Instagram or email us at moneyplease at betches.com and follow me on Instagram at HeyBurna. Until next time, I am wishing you love, peace, and refunded fees. Betches.